Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. I do want to first of all mention that I did receive the new Tom Ewing book, which I mentioned in the last episode, and I am very close to finish finishing reading it. It was 600 and, I don't know, 11 pages, something like that. I'm getting down into the last sections of it, so I'm going to hold off on reviewing the book for you. However, I will tell you that I've, I have learned a few new things, and I honestly, Honest to God, didn't think I could learn anything new about Bill Monroe. I knew there was a lot of things about bluegrass that I surely wouldn't know because everybody has their little personal stories and recollections and things like that. But I thought I'd heard all of the major things. But one thing I will mention in this episode, I had never heard about Bill Monroe wearing a bulletproof vest at at performances uh, because of death threats that had been called in. And um, I guess WSM or <laughs> the Grand Ole Opry or somebody provided him with a bulletproof vest. Now, I've never had to wear a bulletproof vest at a gig, although there were probably a couple of times that I probably should have. Uh, but anyway, so I'm learning some fascinating new Bill Monroe trivia and information. You know, I am enjoying this book immensely, but again, as I said, I'm going to hold off on doing a a full review of it until I've actually completed the book. Okay, so enough about that. That is, I think it's called Bluegrass Man by Tom Ewing. Bill Monroe, Bluegrass Man, and he is the Bluegrass Man. Okay, we'll come back to that book another time. Uh, The second thing I want to mention is that I'm trying a new method of recording. Every time I would set up to do one of these podcasts, I would get the microphone out, get the mixer out, get my uh, retractable extension cord and move the ironing board out of the way and plug all this gear in, start up the old laptop, start up Audacity, and I'd have two computers going and just a whole lot of stuff and it I thought you know I why not just try recording directly onto the one single laptop using the onboard microphone so my guess is the audio is not going to be quite as good in today's episode as it has been when I've been using a really good AKG C1000 for my vocal right now I I've been looking at this laptop, and I'm not even sure where the microphone is. There are probably probably some little microscopic pinholes in it somewhere where there's a little tiny microphone. I can see it's recording, but at this point, I don't know what it sounds like. But I'm going to go ahead and do this one episode with the onboard MacBook Pro. This is about an eight- or nine-year-old computer, um, the onboard microphone. So... This is really just an experiment. If it fails and sounds like I have a bucket over my head, I will come back next week with all the gear and try to make it sound a little better. Okay, so that's enough about that. The next thing I want to mention is I want to plug um, a product. Forgive me for my commercialism here, but it is that time of year. 
uh, today is Halloween, in fact, when I'm recording this. And so we've got all of November and all of December, and Christmas time's a-coming, as the old uh, song, the only Christmas song I know of, sung by Bill Monroe, Christmas time's a-coming. It is coming, and if you're a mandolin player and you don't know any Christmas songs, well, shame on you. Uh, my son and I, I mentioned this last year when we produced this thing. We probably did it uh, like a year ago, September, August, September. Uh, my son, who's in the sixth grade, he is a whiz-bang with uh, doing standard notation in Sibelius. So I set him up with a little project and had him uh, help me create a book of mandolin Christmas songs. And they are all the big hits, which you will sing this Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. And... I moved them into the keys, which are good, happy keys for mandolin players. Not anything too insanely difficult. I don't have anything there in E-flat, for example, or A-flat. Being a mandolin player, I knew how to shuffle them into the proper keys. So it's basically the melody to these songs written out in standard notation and also in mandolin tablature. And you've got... Um, Angels We Have Heard on High, Deck the Halls, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, It Came Upon the Midnight Clear, Jingle Bells, gotta have that, Joy to the World, O Christmas Tree, Silent Night, The First Noel, We Three Kings, and We Wish You a Merry Christmas. And I wish you a Merry Christmas, and your Christmas will be merrier if you purchase Jackson's little ebook. And when I say Jackson's little ebook, the deal I made with him was if you do all this work and create this book, I will give you half the money. So the book sells for eight bucks. Every time one sells, he gets four dollars. And those four dollars will be what he is using to buy Christmas presents and other things which kids need, like upgrades to their Minecraft whatever, things like that. So it's given Jackson a little cash flow and a little learning about how the the business of making money works. Now, the other four bucks, out of that, I will pay the pay PayPal fees, the pay hip fees, and the maintenance of the website and the taxes and all that kind of stuff. That That's what my half goes to. So anyway, if you want to support Jackson in his musical endeavors and learn some popular Christmas songs, and by the way, he has included the lyrics for all these, and it is a PDF ebook. So when you get it, you can stick it on your tablet or you can print it out, and you could actually use this to, you could play these, if you read standard notation, you could play these on a flute or a trombone or well, I don't know about trombone. I think they read bass clef. This is written in treble clef. So maybe you're a trumpet player or a French horn player. You could play these Christmas tunes. And there are the lyrics, and you can all have a family sing-along, that, that sort of thing. It's a simple little book of popular Christmas tunes, and it's in PDF format. 
So if you would like to get that, all you have to do is go to bradleylaird.com and then go over to the Grass Talk Radio. It's the first banner you see at the top of my page. Hit that and then go down to this episode, the show notes for this episode. That's where I'm going to put a link to it. If you go to the show notes for this episode of Grass Talk Radio, I'll have a link to that PDF ebook. And I, I sent it out in an email a couple of days ago. I do a monthly email newsletter, which I don't think I've ever mentioned here on the podcast, but I do a monthly email newsletter. Anybody who has purchased or downloaded any of my stuff off of my store, I stick them on the email list, and then I use a once-a-month email to tell them about anything new. Um, uh, sometimes I run discounts. Um, like when I put together the mandolin treasure chest, I mentioned that in an email. And there's also a sign-up for, form for anybody who might want to just get on that email list. I mentioned it, and over the past two days, uh, I think 15 or 16 people have purchased that mandolin Christmas songs for mandolin ebook. So there's going to be some people uh, playing the old Christmas <laughs> Christmas tunes on their mandolins, thanks to Jackson's work. So anyway, check that out. Just go over to the show notes, and I'll put a link there that'll take you directly to where you can download that ebook. All right, now the topic for today, I want to make this this main point, and this is something I've tried to get across to some of my students and also fellow musicians over the years, and that is, I think a lot of, many people, some people, get sort of bogged down in the idea that all musical improvement involves music. And I want to make the case, as I often do, of getting on the other side of the fence, taking the other side of the coin. I just want to use this episode not to lay out a list of a checklist of things you need to do or anything like that. I just want to spur some thought in your mind to remind you, because it's it's easy to get... When you're learning to play music, it's easy to think it's all about the music. And I just want to use this episode to remind you that a lot of the the great skills, uh, personality characteristics, attributes of people that really help them enjoy music more, perform better music, those skills many times have nothing whatsoever to do with music itself. And and just to kind of toss out an example, let's say I had a little band together and I had a banjo player. Let's say I had banjo player A. He was a great banjo player. Just a wonderful banjo player. And he could sing baritone too. Good timing. Everything about this guy was great. Just exactly what I wanted in a banjo player. Then we go over here to banjo player number two, and he has all of those exact same characteristics. You know, in other words, you could flip a coin and basically end up with the same banjo player. However, the second banjo player, he also is pretty handy 
with a soldering gun. And he's a really nice guy. And he shows up on time. And he, he dresses neatly. And he's friendly with the audience. He's not back in the corner just practicing his next solo and snubbing the audience. He's a, he's a really nice guy. And he can tell a good joke. And, and when people come up to him, I see him reach in his pocket and hand him a business card and smile at him. You know, this guy's got some characteristics that the other guy doesn't have. They may be identical, identical musically, but this guy's got some other skills. You know, maybe he can do a yo-yo trick or he's over there, you know, taking a half dollar and disappearing it for the little kids in the audience or something. What I'm saying is your success or failure as a musician, and I don't care if you're just playing on the sidewalk or you're jamming or you're in a little porch band or you're going to jam sessions or you're going to festivals or you've formed a little part-time band or you're playing in your church or you've formed a, a regional local band and you're playing gigs or you've hit the big time. I don't care where you are on that spectrum. There's a lot of things that go into your success or failure or anywhere along that scale between those two that don't have anything to do with music. I've known some wonderful musicians that just knew everything and seemed to be able to play everything, but they were kind of like jerks, and I didn't like to hang around them, you know? And I've known some other people who were just great folks and just had everything, you know, they could, if I had a flat tire, they'd be out there helping me, you know, plug the tire or something, but they weren't that good of a player, you know? Well, you know, when it comes down to it, all of this stuff goes into one big pile as to how you are received. I'm not saying you shouldn't spend time working on your music. You should. I mean, I, I don't like to see people out there, you know, performing who really haven't put the time and effort in. You know, listen to your tapes of your show and, and be, be tough on yourself and say, you know what, I really need to work on some things. But that's not all it is. It's, it's not especially in the gigging world. Anyway, so what I want to do is just race through a list completely disorganized and out of order of just to tweak you a little bit, make you think about some of the things which are non-musical, which could help your music. And the first one I came up with was the, the skill of auto repair. I cannot tell you how many times that skill has helped me be a better member of a band or, you know, I can't tell you how many times this has occurred because everything you go to, every jam session, every festival, every gig, everybody gets there by automobile, generally speaking. You know, if you're a high roller, maybe you should, you know, think about airplane maintenance, but I can't tell you the number of times that at a jam or a festival or a gig, at some point, I've been out there, you know, jacking a car up and changing a tire, plugging a tire, putting air in a tire, cleaning battery terminals, jumping off a car, helping, helping your banjo player get his car off of a stump that he accidentally backed his bumper over. You know, to be a little handy with automobiles, 
is a real plus. That's enough about that. Uh, the second item, keeping your physical body in shape, or at least not abusing your body. I'm just going to tell you a little something here. Um, back over the last three months, I have been on a diet. And let me preface this by saying I'm not a doctor and I'm not advising you in any way, medically speaking. This is simply my own personal story. I realized I needed to lose a few pounds and I went on this diet and I cut out all products made from grain. So in the process of doing that, I also cut out gluten because, you know, if you're eating wheat and bread, you're getting gluten. And I've had problems with arthritis affecting the joints in my fingers and my knees. It has really harmed my ability to play mandolin. And I notice it sometimes playing the upright bass, especially certain joints in my little fingers. I'm a little finger on my left hand. You know, my mother had arthritis, and I always thought, well, arthritis, that's just something you get when you're old or something, you know. I had this very simple-minded approach to it. Well, about three months ago, I went on this diet, cut out any products made from grain, and thereby cutting out gluten. In other words, no bread, no biscuits, you know, that kind of thing. Lost 25 pounds, and all of the symptoms of arthritis, in other words, stiff joints and sore fingertips and little ping, pinging pains that would like, you know, when you reach for this note on the base and you feel this little, you know, needles, all that went away. It just went away. Well, then the hurricane came. And during the hurricane, which I talked about in several episodes, and I'm done talking about, when that came, because we had no power, we had to go to eating what was stored in the pantry, you know, pulling out whatever we had and just cooking whatever was available. So I said to myself, well, you know, I can't be doing this diet during this, you know, this period of, of emergency. So I just ate whatever for a few days. A week of that, of just like, all right, forget that diet. I'll just, sure, I'll eat a peanut butter sandwich. A week of that, and everything came back. My neck started cracking again. My knees started cracking again. My fingers are sore. I played a gig last night, or played it at a jam session, played dobro, and by the end of the night, my, my fingers were stiff and sore, and I swear, this is my testimonial, I think it's the gluten. So my point here is, if your body is falling apart and your body is not in good condition, your music is going to fall apart and your music is not going to be in good condition. And I would say your mind, because when you get to be my age, I'm 59, and you begin to feel your body is going downhill, that affects your mind and your mind affects your music. All I'm going to say is, take care of yourself. And if you're young and you're just blowing this off, going, ah, whatever, that old man's just talking about stuff and that doesn't affect me, uh, just wait. Just wait, it will. 
But I do believe that uh, gluten is the culprit. That's my present belief. I might come back here six months from now and say, oh, I think it's something else. But, you know, I cut it out for three months and all of that absolutely went away. I mean, I wasn't like 25 years old feeling like that, but all that crunching and cracking and popping and stiffness and soreness and little, little, not really pain, but just kind of, you shouldn't notice joints, but I was noticing all that went away. And then I, for a week I ate pizza and, you know, uh, bologna sandwiches and stuff like that. And it all came back. So anyway, the point being, take care of your body. And if you're young, take care of it and maintain it. It's easier to maintain something than it is to repair it later. Okay, enough about that, but that's a non-musical thing you can do to improve your music. Uh, third thing, computer skills. If you're involved in any kind of a little band, or even if you're the promoter of a festival, or you're going to start a jam, computer skills and graphic skills and being able to put a website together and the ability to write things that make sense, um, those kind of skills can propel your musical efforts forward. All right, number four, and this is really true when you have a regional or when you start playing in a band, and that is electrical and or electronic gear maintenance skills. Do you own a soldering gun or soldering iron? Have you ever soldered something? Have you ever desoldered something? Do you know what flex is? These things can save you and make you extremely valuable to the other members in the group who know nothing about this. I got a head start on all this stuff because I was into ham radio. And you do a lot of soldering and connecting and cutting wires and, you know, all this kind of stuff when you tinker around with ham radio equipment. So when I got into playing music, you know, when I looked at a microphone connector, if it wasn't working, you know, if you wiggled it and it popped and, you know, it, the connection, something was wrong in there, I was not the least bit afraid to take that cord home and disassemble it and, you know, fix it, solder it back together. It ain't rocket science, but I'll tell you what, if you have a band and there's nobody in your group that has any of those skills, you're going to have more technical problems with your performances and all of our performances these days are transmitted through wires and speakers and amplifiers and cords and power supplies and mixers and you know we're living in that world we're not just going around playing purely acoustic music so if there's nobody in the group that knows anything about that you're going to have more problems and you're not going to be able to solve them. So having that skill is valuable. You know, I like having a member of a band that knows how to work a soldering gun, you know, likes the smell of solder. And if you're that kind, if you're a tinkering type, type of person like that, make sure you let other people know. Help them out with their stuff and word will get around that, oh yeah, that, you know, that mantle player, he... That joker, you know, he builds his own radios and, you know, maybe you're going to a gig and the trailer lights suddenly go out and you get pulled over by the state patrol. 
to have a guy pile out of the back seat and immediately crawl under there with his wire cutters and his test light and hook them back up might avoid you getting that ticket, you know, because they see, oh, there's somebody here. He knows exactly what to do. So fooling around with trailer lights and, you know, that kind of stuff. That is a valuable skill. A band that has nobody in the band with those skills is going to be like babes in the woods out there, you know? They're just going to have a lot harder time. So that's a valuable skill uh, that can propel your musical endeavors. Um, the, the fifth one is photography, video editing. You know, every band needs a picture. Good photographs of your band can do a lot towards making your band more successful. So that, that's a skill that's handy. Video editing certainly has been handy for me. You know, I've turned it into a little, a little personal business where I, you know, have created all these video lessons. And these things can help your music. And so if you have that skill, be sure you let other people know that you have it. Because when people are looking for band members or participants in some sort of a musical project, Sometimes, you know, if you can just design a killer-looking poster, that's a plus for you. Just as much as your great rendition of Red-Haired Boy. Number six, public speaking. If you are afraid to speak to an audience, if that is not your cup of tea, well, you know, maybe you should work on that, is what I'm saying. A lot of performing is about standing up there facing a large group of people, and delivering to them your thoughts, your music, your emotions, your words. And a lot of people just say, well, you know, that's just not me. I, I'm just not the guy, you know, I can't do that. I'm not good at that. But you can improve. And if you improve your public speaking, you improve your odds of being a successful performer and participant in the bluegrass music world. So I would suggest, if you feel that's a weakness, you may never, you know, you're not going to change your whole personality and suddenly become this type A and, you know, go on the road on this speaker's bureau or something. Well, you might, but I'm not saying you have to revamp your whole personality, but if you feel like that's a weakness of yours, you got stage fright and you don't like to get on the microphone, you don't like to talk to large groups, go sign up for a class. Uh, you know, sign up with Toastmasters or join a drama group, you know, sign up to be an actor in a community play. You know, these things will help your performance and they have nothing to do with music. Um, the seventh thing, if you know a little something about operating a small business, accounting, um, taxes, record keeping, bookkeeping, Things like that are very important, even on a very minor level. You know, if you're the guy that's got to count the tip money and divide the money up among the guys and be sure to pay the sound guy, and you know, somebody needs those skills. Because when money gets involved in things, a lot of problems can come up if it's not done just right and everybody feels it's above board and totally honest and you get what I'm saying? Also when you start playing for money there are consequences of that in terms of taxes and you know 
if you don't know what a 1099 is, and you went out and played 10 gigs last year for 400 bucks, and divided the money up and paid everybody in cash, well, guess what? Those checks that you received from the client, that's taxable income to you. And what you paid to your musicians, well, that's taxable income to them, but did you issue them a 1099? Do you even know what it is? Now, a lot of musicians rely on other people or luck. They just rely on luck to make all this stuff happen. I'm saying that's a valuable skill. My suspicion is that the more successful bands all have someone who makes sure all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and everything is done as it needs to be done. So maybe that's your thing. Maybe you're not the great front man or the or the public speaker, and maybe you're not even the greatest singer or player, but you're really good at this sort of bean counting stuff. That is a good asset. Now, I don't know how you advertise that to, you know, at the jam session, say, oh, by the way, you know, pick me to be in your band because, you know, I'm also an accountant. I don't know. Maybe you should say that if you are an accountant. But anyway, small business and accounting and bookkeeping and record keeping and maybe toss into that even scheduling. You need somebody in your group with those sorts of skills that actually likes doing that sort of thing. And if you're that person, that can move you and your group forward. Number eight is travel. Navigation and maybe toss in camping. There are some people I love to travel with because they're just not annoying. They don't complain. Traveling is a weird thing. You put five guys in a van or a car and you travel down the road, maybe it's only a five-hour drive. And then you spend the night in a motel, hotel, you start getting under each other's fingernails and you start annoying each other. There are some people with very low patience for travel. You know, they got to stop all the time. And when you do stop, they take a half an hour. They're back there looking around at the stuff in the gas station. We got to go. You know, we, we, we need to be five minutes, boys, you know, and let's go. And they're lollygagging around, talking to people and, fixing theirself a hot dog and there are some people that don't seem to have the sense of urgency when they get on the road and there are other people that you know impinge on each other's personal space and if you i've been reading this bill monroe biography and you know reading some of the travel tales from the 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 good old days where you know sleeping was sleeping in the car leaning on somebody else's shoulder you know, most people today have it much better than that. But I'm just saying, develop your skills at the ability to get along with people in close spaces and not annoy each other. Now, you know, if, if four of you have to spend the night in two, uh, what, twin beds or two beds in a, in a room and four of you got to go in there, and all four of you got to use the same bathroom and the same shower and the same sink. You, you got to learn how to overlook 
the little idiosyncrasies and quirks of your fellow travelers. I'm just saying good traveling skills is a plus for, for your music. Same goes for navigation. I've told some crazy stories about navigation. I'll probably tell some more in the future. You know, everybody's relying on GPS and cell phones, but there are times when you get up in the, in the sticks and in the hills and that thing is going to get you lost. The art of having good direction-finding skills and just good common sense, you know, and the ability to observe the road as you're going along. You might miss that one little sign that's written on an 8.5 by 11 piece of cardboard that says festival and there's an arrow and you blew right past it and went 30 miles over the bridge and, you know, and you're lost and you're therefore late. Also camping. I mean, certainly if you're one of those local regional type acts, you're going to spend, you're not going to be able to make any money if you're going to spend your time in a hotel. You're probably going to be doing a lot of camping. Even though you're performing, you're, you're camping and performing because it's a lot less expensive. So, you know, if you don't like sleeping on the ground and you don't know how to cook anything, you might want to work on those skills. Do a little traveling and camping. And probably the number one thing is quit your complaining and belly aching. Nobody can stand a complainer or somebody that's whining and griping and belly aching all the time. Try to have minimal needs and travel light. Okay, number nine, getting along with people. And I've just talked about that in that travel situation. But this is wider to really honestly take a good look at yourself in the mirror and say, am I a nice guy or can I be kind of a jerk sometimes? Do I mouth off about things? Do I have to give my opinion about everything? And, and you think back like on the recent past and you go, yeah, I did give that guy the evil eye the other night, and I was kind of muttering stuff to myself about that. You know, if that's you, and I'm going to admit to you, that is me sometimes. Look in the mirror and say, fix it, because it doesn't do you any good. All that belly aching and complaining and shifting blame to others is not going to help your personal relationships with the other musicians. Far better to let things slide. I'm not saying that you have to settle. That, you know, maybe you, let's say you've, you've added a bass player to your group, and this guy is just not working. Should you bad vibe him on stage and, you know, and give him the silent treatment? And should you do those things? Or should you just start looking for another bass player and end it on friendly terms so that you don't make enemies? I'm just saying, look in the mirror. Because your personality can either attract people to you or repel people and anything in between. Try to be on the attracting side. And if you need to work on that, work on it. The same goes for at home. If, if the same stuff happens at home, uh, let me just do 9B. If your home life is a wreck, it, do you think it's going to be any better out there in the music world? You know, get your ducks in a row. Treat your family right. Be Communicate. Let them know what's going on. 
consider their their feelings and what you're up to, you know. And we all fail at this frequently. Uh, and some people seem to be immune to it. I, so maybe emulate them. I don't know what, you know, some people don't seem to have these sorts of problems. Of course, a lot of times problems are just hidden, you know, because people don't air their dirty laundry in public. But I'm just saying your skill at getting along with other people is probably more important than anything you'll ever do musically. All right. Last item. You can hear me rattling my pages. Number 10, marketing. And a lot of those things I've mentioned kind of are, could be categorized as marketing because how you act and, you know, all these little skills you have and things like that get noticed. And that's a form of marketing yourself personally. But I'm talking more about marketing, you know, your jam session, your festival, your little local band or your regional band. And that is you have certain tasks. Task one is let's assume you already have the group and you've got some material. Marketing, task one is get a gig. If you don't have a gig, you really don't have a band. That's my view. Because the point of, of a band is to perform for people. Second task, get people to come to it. So, how do you get the gig? You market yourself. And I, t I did a podcast with a bunch of ideas about how a local or regional band can get gigs. But you, once you got the gig, you got to get the people to come unless you're playing for a private function where that's someone else's responsibility. You know, there's a convention or a private party and you're just hired to play there. And you have to perform well. You know, the better you perform for that audience, that's a form of marketing too, is what I'm saying. Because it doesn't matter if you get the gig and the folks show up and you stink. You know, that's bad marketing. But just remember that that performing is probably only 50% of performing actually involves music. Some of it is how you look. Some of it is... Um, how you speak. Some of it has to do with the order in which the music goes, which I guess you could say is, is music, but how you relate to people, how during the breaks you speak to people, how after the gig you interact with the person who hired you. Do you have an argument with the door guy about your cut or is it smooth and, you know, handled, you know, properly? How you perform is a form of marketing, and certainly how you interact with the people who came to see you is a form of marketing. So I'm just saying marketing skills are not musical skills, but they help you. So that's just 10 things to get you going. Get you a piece of paper and write down some ideas, some things I didn't think of. Think of. And if you think of something that's really good, email me. You can go to bradleylaird.com and go to the top and hit contact, and there's an email link there. If you've got some additional ideas for non-musical skills that can help a person play music better and perform better and enjoy music better, oh, uh, 
just thought of one more. If you've got skills with recording, you know, just recording skills, that could be helpful. I don't think that's an excuse to go out and spend a thousand bucks on a bunch of gear just because you want to do a demo for your for your band. You know, if you're just looking for an excuse to buy buy stuff and piddle around, what I am saying though is if you've got some skills regarding recording, put them to use. You know, that can be useful in marketing your band and also in analyzing what you're doing. So anyway, that's enough for this episode. Hopefully this audio worked out and doesn't sound too clunky. Uh, we'll see when I go to editing here. Um, y'all remember the uh, Christmas songs for mandolin ebook, And just go to the show notes for this episode, go to grasstalkradio.com, slide down to, I think, this is episode 92. Anyway, it'll be the one at the bottom of the list. And uh, if you click on that, I'll have a link to that so you can learn some Christmas tunes. You don't want to be that that guy. You know, that guy says, oh, you play the mandolin? Uh, yeah. Hey, can you play Jingle Bells? You know any Christmas songs? And you go like, no, but I know Salt Creek. And they're, well, I'd never heard of Salt Creek. Uh, do you know uh, Deck the Halls? And you go, no, but I know Old Dangerfield. And they go, well, I've never heard of that one. What I'm saying is you're going to be more popular around the old Christmas tree if you can at least uh, knock out a couple of Christmas tunes. Granny loves those Christmas tunes. And the kids love them. And the lyrics are included, so... Check out the Christmas songs for Mandolin ebook. And I'll talk to y'all in the next podcast.